There was once a priest who felt compelled to preach every Sunday on the sacrament of baptism. This went on every Sunday, year after year, with little, little or no regard for the liturgical seasons. Even Christmas was not exempt, nor were funerals or weddings. No matter what the feast or occasion, he managed to turn it into a baptismal catechesis. Finally, his long-suffering parishioners, who had begun to think that there was only one sacrament, decided to formally ask their pastor to preach on something else for a change. On what? the befuddled priest asked. One of the parishioners present at the meeting suggested, completely out of the blue and not without a hint of malice, that next week Father should preach on pills. It was the consensus of all who were present at this meeting that it was a brilliant suggestion. Pills were so far from anything having to do with baptismal theology that the poor priest would never be able to work his way back to his favorite subject in the course of a ten-minute homily. So on the following Sunday, he stood up and began, The subject of my homily today is pills. The sigh of relief from everyone in the church was so profound it made the banners in the sanctuary flutter. There are, he said, all kinds of pills, big pills and little pills, sweet pills and bitter pills, expensive pills and cheap pills. He stopped for a moment to gather his thoughts and then continued somewhat haltingly, good pills and bad pills. Another kind of pill is the gospel, which brings me to my real subject, baptism. We've been listening for four weeks now to St. Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount. This material in chapters 5 through 7 does not make for easy listening, the part about tearing out your eye or cutting off your hand if it leads to sin, or the Lord Jesus warning against anger, bearing grudges, his comments on sexual behavior, marriage and divorce, retaliation for injury done, going the extra mile, non-resistance to evil, loving one's enemies, and not cursing them, but praying for them. This makes following Jesus Christ something of a bitter pill to swallow, doesn't it? Take love of enemies for one example, or, or better yet, let's take the opposite, hatred. No one ever wants to admit that they hate someone else. But if hatred, by its definition, is liking to dislike another person, then who are the people in your life that you enjoy finding fault with? You see what I mean? There is additional problem here. We tend to listen to these passages as though they were in the imperative mood, the mood that forms direct commands and prohibitions. But what if the Lord Jesus is not speaking in the imperative? What if he's speaking in the indicative, a mood that makes a statement or that is descriptive of someone or something? This would mean that Christ is not giving us a law or a description, perhaps, of the entrance requirements we need to get into heaven. Rather, he is describing what his disciples really look like. When we listen to the gospel, we pro- 
proclaimed in the liturgy, we're not merely hearing an historical account of a list of ancient moral imperatives dating back 2,000 years. We are hearing him tell us who we are right now as God's new humanity made in his image and likeness. It is not a question so much of doing something as it is a question of being someone. This is what is called unconditional performative language. It not only describes something that is already that already is, it brings into being what it describes. This is the language of sacramental theology. And this brings me to my real subject, baptism. When a priest or other minister of the sacrament pours water together with the Trinitarian formula, he's not merely reciting words, but is enacting our incorporation into Christ's death and resurrection. And just as bread and wine become Christ's true flesh and blood in the words of institution, so the baptized body forth Christ's presence in space and time. Far from being a list of do's and don'ts, the Sermon on the Mount is really a mirror uh, along the lines of St. Augustine's famous phrase that when we look at the Eucharist, we should be who we are and become what we see. And when at the Eucharist we listen to these passages and begin to see who we really are, that we look for all the world like a living icon of the Lord Jesus Christ, 